0: turn right to our lesson this morning to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. I uh, was teaching this morning on the life of Joseph. Find it to be an extraordinary life. But it is a life that we all could live. How many looks at Individuals and characters in the Bible thinking that they are, are somehow extraordinary, and you could not, never be like them. How many ever has ever looked at those individuals? And uh, that, I' uh, have to say, is uh, a wrong conclusion. I know you don't believe that, because I, I can feel it bouncing back, but th- that is a wrong conclusion. The Bible says in the book of Acts that God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. So if you would turn your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis chapter 39. I want to ask you the question, and we will discover this as we go along. Why did God use Joseph in such a great way? Why did God use Joseph in such a great way? Genesis chapter 39, we will read from verses 1 through verse 6. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of, the, of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. An Egyptian brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he, had, he did to prosper in his hands. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he'd had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. So the question I asked, and, and the statement I made in MIT this morning was the four steps to success for, that Joseph took to find success in God in his life. Looking at this character Joseph and the reason I ask you the question, how many believes in here that God could use you like he used Joseph well I have maybe 50% and I'm not sure that we all agreed even raising our hands that God could actually use us that way but God can use you there are some steps that we can take to find success in walking with God so that we will not be hindered in what God wants us to really become I can, I'll give you those four steps and you can write them down and perhaps we will comment on them more. But I want to um, elaborate on why that God used Joseph in such a great way in his life. The first step that Joseph took was he asked for God's spirit. He asked for God's spirit. He He made it known to the Lord that he wanted his spirit in me. And when you ask God for his spirit, you are (coughs) taking control out of your hands and giving it to God. Amen? Now that sounds easy to do. That sounds like, well, that's a no-brainer, Pastor. I, I think I can do that. But asking God to take control of your life And you taking your hand off of the wheel and saying, okay, I I saw a little sign here. Perhaps you saw it too. And uh, it said, if God is your co-pilot, maybe you should change places. Do you see that? Yeah. Meaning God's not in complete control. You are. And God's just there as an assistant. You know, every plane has a pilot and a co-pilot. The pilot's truly in charge. And the co-pilot is there to assist in any way the pilot. I don't want God to just assist in my life. I want him to be in control and that in and of itself is a huge statement. Do we really mean that? God, I want you to be in complete control. Even Jesus shows us in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's here praying and he says, not my will, but Your will be done. How long has it been since we've actually prayed that prayer? Because the longer we serve God, we think we're doing pretty good, don't we? How many thinks they're doing pretty good? We think we're doing pretty good because we are doing the work of the Lord. We're, We're following everything we know to do, but we haven't asked the Lord, is this the direction that you want me to go? Is this actually what you want me to do? You know, because I found out that the Lord will actually let you do what you want. He'll let you do exactly what you want. I, I'm just going to talk to us this morning. I'm, I'm going to try to just go slow today. I know I get excited sometimes and I raise my voice and I'm running around on the platform. But I'm not going to do that today. I hope. <laughs> Maybe I'll keep it under control here. <laughs> but allowing God to have complete control is something that some of us, most of us, it's foreign to us. Getting up in the morning and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do today? What do you want me to do? I only have one life to live. You know, it's, it's amazing that we go through life and it's not till the end of our life that we finally say, I wish I would have done this, I wish I would have done that. And we as believers really don't have to live in remorse and regret because if we would place our lives in the hand of the Lord, then He would direct our steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Isn't that what the Scripture says? So we won't live in regret and remorse at the end of our days because we have relegated that control completely and totally to God. It's out of my hands, God. Amen. Amen. Now I say that, and it really it is very, very uh, difficult to do. How many's ever taught somebody else to ride a bicycle? Or uh, oh, let's let's go one step further. How many's ever given drivers lessons, you know, impromptu or uh, to someone? And uh, and uh, when they pushed on the brake, you about pushed your, they didn't put it on the brake fast enough, and you about pushed your foot through the floorboard, you know. Like, <laughs> there's no brake there. <laughs> and you go, turn, turn, turn now! Uh, uh, and uh, I was giving someone lessons one time, and I said, are we going to go today? You were sitting at this stoplight. Uh, it's green. It doesn't get any greener, you know. Push your foot on the accelerator. Let's go. Let's go. And then uh, all of a sudden, I got like... <laughs> I said, "Could you do it a little bit gradually?" <laughs> I, 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 there were numbers of times during that l- lesson that I wanted to reach over and grab the wheel. <laughs> it, how many knows what I'm talking about? And I, uh, you know, because I thought we well, came pretty close to that car. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you heard all that? That's probably a path we won't take this morning. We'll just, we'll just, brother Bruce. I'm going to act like I didn't even hear that. We we'll save the marriage, amen. And it's not even mine, eh? Taking your hand off the wheel. Asking God's spirit. The first five words in verse 2 of chapter 39 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous or successful man. Now, I ask, and I made the statement to the MIT class that Joseph had just been sold into slavery by his own brothers. That doesn't seem very successful to me, does it to you? I, I, I wouldn't think that that, in my mind, that's the road to success. Uh, I, okay, road to success. Number one, have your brothers hate you enough that they will sell you into slavery so that they will never see you ever again. I mean, I don't think that's the road to success, but the Bible here says in verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So when God's in control, things don't always look like they are in control to the carnal mind. Is God in control of your life? Amen. So the scripture here says that he, he had a master over him and he was a, a slave and he was blessed and he was a prosperous man. God's spirit was with him. Now, the second aspect of this uh, steps, four steps to success was number two the day of small things how many's ha- ever had an insignificant position placed on you I, 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 let me okay this everybody's experienced this how many's ever been the new guy or the new woman on the job and people are looking at you like oh here's a newbie another newbie <laughs> I wonder if they're going to carry their weight or blah. You know, all these questions come. And so the day of small things. And so they always, you know, your employer always tests you out to see if you're going to come through. If you're actually going to be the person that you said you were when you made application. And when you sat there for that interview. The day of small things. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 He reminds us not to despise the day of small things. When God gives you an opportunity, it's a great opportunity. Whether it's cleaning the toilets, it's a great opportunity. It's an opportunity for small things that lead to big things. And God allowed Joseph to be placed in slavery... And he now finds himself doing menial tasks that are well below his abilities. I don't know how long it, it took Potiphar to realize the ability that Joseph had, but he saw what he did with the small tasks that he had. Those, those insignificant things, those jobs that nobody wants to do. And he took that job and he did it well. You know, I've always said, if you're going to do a job around the church, do it well. Don't let people come behind you and see your work. One time I I said, as an explanation to the class this morning, I said I opened a uh, a junction box. I'm not an electrician. I don't even profess to be one. But I opened a junction box, and and there was a rat's nest in there. Not literally, but it looked like a rat's nest with all those wires. And and no, there weren't. They had tape, and they had some the wire nuts on some. And it was just, it was a mess. And I just wanted to close the plate up and screw it tight. So I didn't see that. <laughs> I, but do it. Well, whatever job you have, do it well, because it's the day of small things. God sees you, what you do, in those small tasks that he gives to you. Number three, this is a very important one. Work with all your heart. If you're going to do something, work with all your heart. Uh, I remember we were pushing a car out of a ditch one time. It had been snowed, and and uh, um, the car slid off, and it was in the ditch. And and uh, we were all straining and grunting, and, you know, in the car. Okay, you, you know, the, how the whole thing goes. Okay, we'll rock it, you know. And we were back and forth and back and forth, and I was really putting my back into it. And I, I looked over to one of our neighbors, and he was going, You know, he was going. He was rocking with it, but I could tell he wasn't putting his back into it. I, I thought, what are we doing here? We're trying to get this guy out of the ditch. Come on, put your back into it. He was just leaning on the car, you know. <laughs> Whatever your hand finds to do, the Bible says here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord and not human masters. God sees the menial task that you're performing. He sees how well you do it. I remember one man one time, he said, Oh, it's good enough for church work. And I said, church work? Uh, I just I want to ask you what that means. He said, you know, you know it's church work. It's his volunteer work. And I said, so we can get away with doing it a halfway job just because it's for the church. I mean, he made the statement. I didn't make it, so I'm going to ask him about it. He said, no, no that's not what I really meant. I said, well, what did you really mean? Just asking the question. And he said, "Well, maybe I should rephrase that." I said, "Rephrase it by saying, it's something that I should put my heart into." Amen. Do it well. Amen. Because God sees it. Work with all of your heart. However difficult your circumstances, how do they compare to Joseph's? Has anyone ever been sold into slavery slavery lately? No. Not anyone in this room. Number four, I want to give the fourth step to you. Live according to God's word. This is so very important that we live according to God's word. You know, I I just uh, was meditating this morning in uh, attitudes that we as believers have. And I I got to thinking about my own life. I'm I'm just going to say it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Amen. So I'm not going to point my fingers at anyone. I'm going to talk about me right now. And an attitude that I want to cooperate, I want to do the best I can while I'm here. Probably in working in church work, bad attitudes are probably the worst thing that I have to deal with. Amen? My own included. <laughs> because a piece of machinery is just that, that. It's an inanimate object. You know, you can throw a wrench, you can kick it, but it's still going to be there and the bolt didn't go in or whatever. Uh, but, but people are different and your attitude and response about what goes on is so very important. Live according to God's word. It's so very important that we walk in a way that is worthy of our calling. Has God called you? Then walk in a way that is worthy of the vocation that God has given to you. I think, in my mind, that Joseph could have had a pretty bad attitude. Let's think about it. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. He finds himself in Potiphar's house. Someone lied on him and placed him in prison. He is here in prison for approximately six to seven years. I don't imagine that he had cable TV and a queen-size bed in that prison. I think it was a pretty rough place. He told a dream, he interpreted a dream for someone and he said to that individual, please don't forget to let everyone know that I'm down here, I don't want to be forgotten. And two more years went by before Pharaoh has a dream. If anyone, if we say right to, right to have a bad attitude, if anyone had the right to have a bad attitude, I think we could say to Joseph, Well, he's got a bad attitude, but he has a right to have that bad attitude. Wouldn't we say that? Because of all the circumstances that had taken place in his life. But I don't find an attitude about Joseph. The Bible says that the Lord was with him. Now, the Lord... Blessed him, the first time we see that the Lord blessed him, he was in Potiphar's house. God is blessing him in spite of the circumstances. So I have to assume that Joseph did not have an attitude and he wasn't throwing things around. You know, How many's ever heard of pot and pan cussing? We've all done it. You know, you close the door a little harder. You say If you're in the kitchen and you and your husband have had a... Uh, none of you ladies over here would ever do that, right? And if you've had a few words with your husband, you slam the pot down on the stove a little harder. You close the cupboard door, just you give it a little boost. It doesn't need that much, but you slam it a little harder. We call that pot and pan cussing. You haven't opened your mouth to say a word, but you're saying a lot of things. Oh, me, if anyone's ever done that, oh, me. <laughs> We've all been there. But I don't find the attitude emanating or coming from Joseph. Amen. Remember, God is in control of Joseph's life. If God is in control, you have to say, well, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. Now, if you find yourself in a, and you can't hear God, and God's not blessing you, even though you are in a bad situation, Joseph was being blessed, even though he was in a bad situation. If you find yourself in a place and God's not blessing you and you can't hear from God even and you're in a bad situation, perhaps you've got your hand on the wheel and you're in control and you find yourself in that situation because you have directed your steps rather than God directing your steps. So we find that God blesses Joseph in Potiphar's house. The Bible says the second time that we find that God blesses refers to blessing Joseph, is in the prison. He is blessed in the prison. The the scripture tells us that he was placed in charge of the whole prison. You know, he's learning administrative jobs (laughs) duties on the job. This is on-the-job training. He, he learned it at Potiphar's house. Now here he is learning administration at, at the prison system. Uh, he, he is being, he is the, the deputy uh, administrator, the deputy warden of the prison. And he didn't apply for the job. The job is just placed upon him. God puts you in position, the position that you are, so that you can grow. Let me say that again. God placed you in the position that you are so that you can grow, that he might be able to use you in a greater position. But some of us are complaining about the position that we have, and God can never use us in a greater position because of our spirit and attitude. All the time that Joseph was being tested and tried, and his attitude played a very important part of how God elevated him or just let him stay on the back burner. Oh, man, that will preach. Joseph could have found himself on a back burner and God would have used somebody else to rescue the nation of Israel. You say, why did God use Joseph? Because God had a plan. He had given a promise to Joseph's great-grandfather great-grand- years ago, and he said, I will make your seed a great nation, and they will be in bondage. But after 400 years, they will come out, and God had a plan. And Joseph was a part of that plan. But if Joseph didn't cooperate, if Joseph developed an attitude, if Joseph... Uh, uh, didn't allow God to be in complete control. God could have said, okay I'll set you over here on the back burner and I'll use somebody else. Amen. Hallelujah. So here God is using this man first of all in Potiphar's house the second time in prison. You know the story about the baker and about the cupbearer. The baker and the cupbearer find themselves in prison and, and they both have a dream and, and uh, Joseph interprets the dream. He says to the baker, he says, well, you're, you find yourself with a basket. You've got meats on, in the basket and little birds coming to eat out of that basket. And he said, uh, in three days, Pharaoh's going to call for you. He's going to hang you. Said to the cupbearer, yeah, similar dream, but he said in three days, your position is going to be restored. And it happened just exactly as Joseph said. Two years go by and Pharaoh has a dream. God all this time is positioning Joseph so that he can save Joseph's father, Jacob, and the 70 people that come with him out of Canaan because of the famine, the extreme famine, which millions of people died in that area. But they were saved because of this one man, Joseph, allowed God to have control in his life. He followed the Spirit of God and he walked with God and God blessed him and placed him in a position where he could save his family. So Pharaoh's question to those who are around is, can we find anyone in whom is the Spirit of God? Can we find anyone in whom is the Spirit of God? That's the question. And all these three unbelievers, Potiphar is an unbeliever, the warden at the prison is an unbeliever, And Pharaoh is an unbeliever. I want to ask ourselves a question here this morning. Do unbelievers see the spirit of God in our life? Let me ask that again. Do unbelievers see and sense the presence of God in our life? Do... uh, Joseph uh, in his living and his walking with God, Pharaoh knew that there was something different, although he had just met this man and he interpreted a dream and he had all kinds of magicians and soothsayers around him. He was not lacking when it come, came to spiritual people around him. That is Pharaoh. He had people who could turn rods into snakes. We see this later on in the, in the passage in Exodus. But here he's he's familiar with people who can work magic tricks and, and who can do all kinds of spiritual things but he looks at Joseph and he realizes here's a man who is genuine and who can find anyone like this man right here why because the spirit of God is in him think about Pharaoh here he is he's the most powerful leader in the most powerful nation of the world and I just Stated that he had all kind. They were they believed in spirituality. We have mummies. One of three. I think we have two mummies in this this city right now. Out of three in the United States, they were a spiritual people. You study the Egyptians. They believed in spirituality, and there there were all kinds of spiritual people, people prophesying and doing all kinds of things spiritually around Joseph. And around Pharaoh. But Pharaoh recognized something real and different about Joseph. When God's spirit is in you, the fake won't have any power, the imitation doesn't have any ability to stir interest. Amen? When the real, genuine Holy Ghost is in your life working and ministering, people will recognize that there's something different about you. They might not know what it is. They might not know how how to identify it or place their finger on it. They might just say there's something different about you. But Pharaoh here says it like this, Who can find the real Spirit of God in a man? This is the man that we should choose to help lead us out of this famine that is coming upon us. He has prophesied that there's going to be seven years through this dream. Seven, year, seven good years. And then there's coming seven lean years that will waste away the seven good years. And at the end of those 14 years, it's going to be in a bad shape around here. God used Joseph. Now just in the same manner, we see there were some things that were against Joseph. Someone said, I've had some things against me. Well, uh, there have been a lot of shameful things done, perhaps, against you. In his family, Joseph was despised three times and then rejected. In Egypt, Joseph interpreted dreams on three occasions and was accepted as a leader by a pagan ruler. God took this unlikely person this individual that came from a family that herded sheep that were nomads they wandered around living in tents they didn't have permanent dwellings and they weren't individuals of great stature owning great lands Uh, they, they They just roamed around the countryside looking for the best grasslands for their livestock. That's the kind of people that they were. Who would have ever thought that God would have chosen a young man named Joseph to minister to the whole world? He didn't only minister to his family, but he ministered to the whole world. We see the first time that he was rejected, the rejection came. In contrast to the favor that was shown to Joseph by the Egyptians, Joseph's older brothers despised him. The first time they resented his coat of many colors. When there, when there is favor upon you, some people will resent that God is blessing you. You know, there's a saying, uh, it's an earthy saying, uh, the dog that can't tree the raccoon will bite the one that can <laughs> I, I've never been coon hunting in my life, but I've heard coon hunters, uh, raccoon men who uh, do this for, I guess, a hobby, a living, because I'm, I'm not certain that they could sell me any raccoon meat. I'm not eating it. I, I, uh, they, they might eat it, but uh, numero uno is not. <laughs> I am not going to eat raccoon. Well, I guess all depends on how hungry I am. <laughs> okay, I won't say never. <clears throat> but it would be highly unlikely if I have a grocery store. If I got Myers right down the road, I'm not eating raccoon. <laughs> if I got Kroger's and the Kroger's is open and got food, I'm not doing it. It's just not going to happen. Amen? I hope you'll help me if I don't have any money to. <laughs> they say, I got raccoon or going to Kroger's. Could you help me? <laughs> Kroger's, here I come. Amen. So they, they resented Joseph's coat of many colors. There was a resentment that rose up in their heart. You know, instead of looking around at our brothers and sisters and seeing the blessings that God has placed upon them, why don't we get our lives and our attitudes and our hearts right so that God could bless us? Keep your eyes off your brothers and sisters and keep them on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know when we get in troubles, when we start looking around at what other people have or, or and we would want or how God has blessed other people. Uh, if you'll keep your eyes off of them uh, and keep your spiritual blinders on uh, so that all you can see is Jesus Christ, you will be blessed. He will raise you up to sit you in heavenly places. But his brothers couldn't see that. They had the same opportunity. Uh, Let me say that again. They had the same opportunity that Joseph had to be used of God. They had even more of an opportunity. They were around. They were born before Joseph. The second time, the brothers took issue with a dream of Joseph's that said someday that his family would bow down before him. A dream that eventually came true. We find out Joseph here now, this is years later. Joseph is in power and he's, he's dressed like an Egyptian. He looks like one and he's used to administering. and has, He's second in command in the whole nation uh, of the, the largest, most powerful nation in the world. Vice regent. And he sees his brothers come in. He recognizes them immediately. They don't know who he is. He recognizes them and he listens to them and they're arguing like they always have. <laughs> he listens to them and they're, they come in the door. They're arguing about who's being, going to be first and they're throwing elbows, you know, how, how it is, you know, kids throwing elbows and, uh, and pushing their way in. You know, I want to be first. And, and he thinks to himself, it, it, and some things have never changed, you know. But he, he sees them. And they, the scripture says they bow down low and put their forehead on the ground and they're just really uh, pay obe- obeisance to, to Joseph. You know, and I walk with God. The third time, the brothers were jealous after Joseph. Shared a similar dream. Soon they, after, they threw Joseph into a pit. Now, I wanted to go back, kind of segue back to one of the points. Uh, whenever God gives you an opportunity to grow in that small position that you find, found yourself in, do a good job. You know, when Joseph was a young man, his father said, Go find your brothers and see how they do, are, are doing and take them this and, and just bring me back a report. At first, he could not find his brothers. You know, so some people would have given up and said, came home and said, Well, I don't know where they're at. You know, I looked around for him, I didn't see him there. But he was persistent to carry out the commands and requests of his father. Find your brothers. And he asked around and finally one strange man said, Well, I, I, I think I, I saw, heard about your brothers. And, and they were going down the road and I, I think they're over here. And the Bible said that he found them after searching for them for several days. He wanted to accomplish the task. You know, when God gives you a task to accomplish, he wants you to accomplish it. Not say, well, I couldn't do it. Amen. You know, people are mature when you can give them a job and they make it happen whether all the tools are there or or not. You know, if you have the expertise, you do the job. That's why you're asked to do the job, to finish it and to bring bring it to completion. Bringing me back the job and saying, I can't do it. It's tantamount to saying uh, to a, a child saying to a, an adult, I can't do it because I don't have the know-how. Hey, if you're an adult and you're mature and you're a believer, you should be able to accomplish the task. God always gives you something that is greater than your ability. He's always going to stretch your ability. Amen. He never gives you a task. That is just, you fit in perfectly. You, he gives you a task that you're thinking, when you get in there thinking, man, this is a strange place because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. And that's how Joseph found himself. But he, he says, this is not really what I'm accustomed to, but I'm going to do it with all of my heart. And that's what he did the same thing when he got to Potiphar's house. I'm not accustomed to running a, 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 an estate, a, And that's what he did. The Bible said, we read the first of Scripture, that Potiphar didn't even know anything in his house except the food that he ate. Joseph had control of everything. He acclimated and adapted to what God had called him to do. And no matter how often that you want to say, well, this is not me, I think I'll back up and quit. How many has ever wanted to quit? I was talking to a preacher here just the other day and he's been pastoring for a number of years and he said, you know, I walked into my superintendent. He said, I was on the youth committee. He said, I walked into my superintendent's office there on the campground, not the Indiana campground, someplace else. And he said, I told the superintendent, he said, I quit. I quit. I don't want any more to do with the youth department. I quit. He said, you know, at first the superintendent didn't say anything. He just sat there and looked at me, and I looked at him. He said, you know, brother, we've all felt that way. Everybody, that is anybody, has said to themselves, I quit. And he said, I've said it myself a hundred, maybe ten thousand times. (laughs) He said, but here I am. And he said, you know, elder so-and-so, and, and an elder that was a pioneer in the faith, and, and uh, many people revered him, and you said his name, people said, oh, yeah, he's a good man. And he said, you know, one day I went into his office. <laughs> and I said, I've had it, I quit. And he said, you know what that elder said to me? Well, I've said the very same thing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you know, at the end of our conversation, I didn't quit. I walked out of his office with a renewed sense of, I can make this happen. We can do it. We can work together. This conflict, this confrontation can be worked out. Amen. And I'm sure that Joseph felt the same thing. I wonder how I can sneak off a Potiphar's (laughs) land. Just think with me. I wonder if 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 some dark night, I I can steal a horse or, or a mule or whatever, and I can take off. I think I know the direction back to my family's house. But that wasn't the plan of God for him to do that. Amen? God was raising him up to be something in his kingdom. Now, the final thing that his brothers, when they were jealous, they threw Joseph into a pit and sold him into slavery and led, they lied to their father and said that Joseph had been killed by wild animals. You know, you know here's the thing, interesting thing about a lie. A lie always has to have another lie to keep it propped up. I, I, you know, other sins don't need that. They, they stand on their own. But a lie needs another lie. And, a, and the, the other lie needs another lie. <laughs> and the other lie needs another lie. And pretty soon, there's just lies all around you. And your life consists of nothing but lies. You know how the, the best way to get out of that is start telling the truth. You know, it's the it's the one sin that I found in, in Scripture that the Bible says all liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire. He doesn't say that about adulterers. He doesn't say that about fornicators. He didn't say that about drunkards. He doesn't say that about any other law, any other sin, except for lying, because lying is so debilitating to. People around you. Amen. It's so, uh, it, it's so destructive to your life. But if you'll tell the truth. If you'll walk in truth and righteousness. God can raise you up. You see a lie will always take away from you. It never adds to you. A lie never builds you up. It only props you up for a little bo- moment. How many ever taken something uh, they, how many's ever heard of the statement, the phrase, "House of Cards"? You know, you, and perhaps you've taken a deck of cards and tried to build something with it. It doesn't take very much. <laughs> to blow it over, and it destroys it. We've all heard of the three little pigs. You know, the one pig built his house out of straw, and the other built his house out of sticks, and the other built his house out of bricks. you got to build your house on on the the rock Christ Jesus. If you build your house on, on a lie, it will crumble and fall. Someone shout hallelujah. This jealous attitude and spirit that his brothers had. They had the very same opportunity we see in every three, all three of these cases that Joseph had. I want to bring this to a conclusion this morning. Why did God use Joseph in such a great way? I have to conclude after all the statements and all the points that we've made. I have to conclude that it was Joseph's attitude, number one, that placed him in the position that he found himself. His attitude. When I think of that, I think of, oh, Lord, it's me. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So number one, allowing the Spirit of God to take control of your life. Allow the Spirit of God to get into your heart. Number two, what is that? What was number two, I ask you? The day of small things. Don't despise any little task that God has given to you. Don't allow it to be. Something that is, oh, I can't wait to get this over with. How many's ever said, said that? I can't wait to get this over with. You know, maybe God's got you there for a reason to work that attitude out of you. Amen. Number four, what did he say in this fourth point? Three. He said, what? Work with all your heart. Number three, and then live according. Number four, live according to God's word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I pray that we could have the the life and the blessings that Joseph had if we will take these, these steps. God using us in a great way, even though we have great circumstances against us. God using, utilizing what has happened in our life to build us up so that he might use us for his kingdom. Would you stand this morning? I hope that you've been blessed by this lesson and these these words. Hallelujah. If you don't know Jesus today, he can change your life. He can make you whole. Amen. If you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus, you can be baptized this morning. Amen. You can repent of your sins here today. You can change your life. Get your life on the right road. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the right road. This is the right way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If any man come any other way, the same is as a thief and the robber. This is the way. This is the way to change your life. Would you raise your hands right now to Jesus?